episode two, we're giving you our number one go-to behavior management strategy. Hey everyone, Kaylee and Lane here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pre-K Teacher Family. This is a podcast for all things Pre-K Teacher behavior management strategies, time-saving tips, advice from teachers, and high-quality resources. If you need it, we're talking about it. We'll be bringing you new episodes every Friday. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On today's episode, we're giving you the first strategy we try to get some of those really tough behaviors under control. Let's not waste any more of your time, teachers. Buckle up. This is going to be fun. Hey, Lane. Hey, Kaylee. Are you ready for this? I think so. Okay, good. Let's do it. All right. Okay, everyone. This episode might change your life. I don't want you to get too excited, but the strategy we're going to talk about today is pretty tried and true. When you come to me and tell me about a tough kid, this is almost always going to be the first strategy that I give you to try. Even if I've never met the kid, even if I've never met the teacher, you. And I might only know a little bit about the behavior. This is still one that I give out to teachers to try again and again and it usually works. We are going to use his and her and he, she interchangeably throughout this episode because obviously these behaviors come from boys and girls. This episode will help you all with some of the toughest behaviors out there. One we wanted to make sure we touch on is runners, right Kaylee? Yep, oh man. If you're out there right now with a runner in your class, we feel for you. I can remember my first runner. I had no idea what to do. And I had trouble finding anyone that could give me realistic solutions to help me. What I can tell you is that the weight you carry on your heart when you have a runner that you don't know what to do with is too much weight, too heavy on the teacher heart. I can remember sobbing one night to my husband about it. Do you have any idea what it's like to be in charge of 16 kids and one of them could bolt at any moment? Every minute of the day? (laughs) And he didn't know what to say. There was nothing he could say in that moment to help me. It's like that feeling when you're sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting, watching a child climbing something, braced and ready for them to fall, where you'd have to react in an instant, but you never get off that edge. You're just balancing there all day, waiting for the fall, trying to catch them. 10 minutes of that is too much, let alone a whole day of it. And then a week of it, I'm definitely going to do whatever I can to help any of you out there in that position. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those memories of runners still haunt me, too. What about teachers that are seeing serious behaviors that are potentially dangerous? They might have kids with undiagnosed conditions that might require support from behavior experts or other professionals. I can't pretend to have magic powers. I don't know these kids, and I don't know these teachers. You guys know if you have a situation that needs more support than you can get from a podcast. But a lot of the time, pre-K teachers are on the front line of that battle. We know that a lot of kids are coming to us for their first experience in school. They haven't been diagnosed or analyzed or even seen by professionals yet. So you are going to be the one that gets that process going a lot of the time. And just because you have a high-needs child that's exhibiting intense behaviors doesn't mean they're going to instantly send angels to help you. You're going to have to start the process and then they are going to be observed for weeks or even months and you're going to have to document every detail and maybe eventually some help will arrive. 
but there's a lot of time in between now and then. So if I can give you some strategies to keep things together until professionals get involved, you better believe I'm going to do it. I'm not a professional behavior expert. I'm a teacher who has had some success with some stuff, so I'm passing it on to you guys. I'm not saying I have the solution for everything. And we know there's not just one solution that will work every time. But if it's one of those impulsive things kids have learned to do to get attention or avoid something, I'm going to try to help you channel their urge to run into something more positive. Yeah, good. Okay. So for those situations where nothing seems to affect them positively or negatively, so you can't like dangle rewards to try to get them to follow directions because they just don't care and punishment doesn't help either. Maybe you've taken away every single toy and they still don't flinch. This is a good one for those kinds of behaviors, right? Yep. Okay. So you've got one of those tough kiddos with explosive behaviors and the child clearly doesn't care what you think. You tell her to do something. She ignores you. You give him a direction. He refuses. This is a problem. If the kid isn't listening to you, if you have no authority, ultimately you don't have control of your own classroom and without control, you can't teach. If you can't get the children to behave, nothing else can really happen. And as for one specific child, you can't make them do something as much as you might wish you could. If they say no and refuse, you are powerless. Oh, yeah. Okay. So bribes don't work. Nothing motivates them and they don't listen to you. What do you do? It seems very clear that they aren't playing for your team. So first things first, you need to get this kid back on your team. Okay. Well, what does that mean? I know that might sound weird, but for kids who are doing these kinds of behaviors, it's usually a case of they feel like, I only know how to get attention by being disruptive. I'm not good at many things. I want what I want when I want it, and I have no self-control. Yeah, and they're smart. They know when people don't know how to handle their out-of-control behavior, and this just makes it get worse. Because kids want limits. Sorry, my dog is still walking around distracting me. Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> that those big, huge paws. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, just swing. Okay. Uh huh. Okay, here we go. Yeah, and they are smart. They know when people don't know how to handle their out of control behavior, and this just makes it get worse because kids want limits to be set. They want adults to keep the order and maintain the peace, right? I mean, so how do you do that? The biggest thing right now is to flip the script on her. When I say she started playing for another team, I mean she doesn't care much about her relationship with you and probably doesn't care much about most things. So nothing matters, nothing affects them, not rewards or consequences, nothing deters them, nothing excites them. You need to build your relationship with her so that she starts to value your opinion and care what you think. What would you say to some teachers who say, it doesn't matter what you think of me. You are going to do what I say. Maybe at home it doesn't matter. You're going to do what I say because I'm your parent, but school's different. An important thing to remember is that kids are kids, and as they grow and learn, they ultimately just try things to see what happens. I know that sounds oversimplified, but I swear, if you think about it, from when they're babies, they start trying things to see what happens. What happens if I bang on this? What happens if I throw that? What happens if I pull mom's hair? What happens if I touch this hot cup of tea? They're figuring out the world by trying things. So as they get older, it starts to look like, what happens if I say this? Maybe it's something they heard another kid say. Maybe it's a nice thing. And they get a smile. 
Maybe it's a mean thing and they get in trouble. But they're constantly trying things out and adjusting what they do based on what happens or how people react. And this is why we want to stop asking our kids, why did you do that? And you know why? Because most of the time, they don't know why they did it. They might have seen their dog do it and thought, hey, I'll try that this morning at school. And then we see it and react. Oh my God, what did you just do? Why would you do that? And there are crickets because the kid doesn't know. Maybe he saw his sister do it or his mom or someone on TV. So when we see them do it, we have to be that calm adult in their life that says, hey, we don't talk like that. Becky Bailey from Conscious Discipline beautifully explains the role of misbehavior in your child's development. She says, if you're going to Tibet, how would you learn about the Tibetan customs? You might read a book or you might talk to people who have been there or carefully observe people you meet when you get there and hope you interpret their behaviors correctly. However you prepared, you would make mistakes and your best lessons would come from your errors. Misbehavior actually serves many wonderful purposes in your child's development. It would be misguided to stop misbehavior. Your goal is better framed as preventing the likelihood of misbehavior being repeated and becoming habitual. You can do this by responding to misbehavior wisely when it happens. Yes. So for teachers in this spot, you have to remember, they are trying stuff out on you all day long. You want to encourage the good and discourage the bad. They are doing things just to do it, and they don't even know why. So we have to remind ourselves, they are not rational thinking adults. They are kids who are navigating this world asking one question. What's going to happen when I do this? And when you can accept that, it's easier to separate a kid from their actions. And we really need to do that when they're four and five. Because they are trying stuff out all day long, and we can't just stick labels on them. We have to teach them how to be a good person, how to take care of others how to be responsible. That's our job as teachers. And that's why it's going to be important for you to switch it up on them. Yeah, don't be the same broken record they've been hearing from all the adults. And the one piece of the puzzle that's going to make you different is the relationship piece. It's so important. You have to make an effort to connect with these little ones before you can start helping to change their behavior. You're going to talk to them differently. They're going to respond to you differently. And the end goal here is that their behavior will improve because they care about you and what you think and what you say. I'm talking within one day, you should be able to get her back on your team. You have to describe and remind kids that they are the types of qualities that we want them to be. Wow. Okay. That's big. So let me say that again in case they didn't hear it in the back. We have to describe and remind kids that they are the types of qualities that we want them to be. Yes. That's big. They might make a bad choice or have bad behavior, but we want to separate them from their actions. So let's give them some phrases to use. Okay, good idea. Here are some simple examples, and we'll put these in the show notes. You can say, you're too good of a friend to do that. You are a nice kid. You're too pretty to use such ugly words. You are a smart kid. You are good to your friends. You make good choices. I care about you too much to let you do that. You're too smart to make that choice. You're too kind to make someone feel that way. 
I'm so happy you're here today. I have the best class in the world. This is going to be such a good day. And so when kids hear these kinds of messages from adults, rather than negative reactions, they start thinking to themselves, oh yeah, I'm too smart. And in their head, they decide, I don't need to do that again because it wasn't made into a big deal. They did it. We used it as a teachable moment, addressed it, and move on together. No shaming, no big reactions. I was skimming my love and logic notes and I read, a child has a strong craving for attention. They would rather face the consequence of a misdeed than be ignored. Wow. So, that is so eye-opening. I know from other reading with Love & Logic, even if the kids are getting a negative reaction from adults, it's still sending positive signals in their brain. You might have thought, I'm yelling at them. I'm sure this is unpleasant and they won't want to do any more of it. But that's really not the case. Yeah, let's not let kids crave attention, especially these tough kids who are acting out. Give them the attention they are naturally going to seek out and make it positive attention. Yes, because before those messages can be received by a child, you first have to change up the way that you engage with the student. Mm -hmm. You're expecting the bad behavior because up to this point, that's what you've seen every day. The kid is living up to the expectations, whether good or bad. I'm sure he can already feel the frustration that most, most adults feel with him, and he's just living up to the stereotype now. Oh, he's a handful. That's all she knows how to be. That's all anyone's ever told her that she is. So that's what she keeps being. Yep. Time to switch it up on her. I'd start out by getting down on his level and giving him a genuine compliment. I like that Paw Patrol backpack. Which one is this? Point to one of them. Or engage with them on another, on another level about something that they're wearing. Maybe frozen shoes or a Batman t-shirt. Connect with them. Ask them questions about themselves. What's your favorite color? I like green too. Yes, and just a heads up, kids don't always follow adult rules of etiquette, but it's okay if she doesn't respond how you think she should. As long as you are sending her positive messages, sooner or later, you will be making positive connections in her brain, and she will react differently to you. Yes, and then once, th- once they start warming up to that, turn a compliment into a special job they can help you with. Get down on their level, smile, look in their eyes. Hey, Lane, I noticed how strong you were when you were carrying that heavy book bag. I could use your help with something this morning. Would you like to help me with the job? Oh, yeah, for sure. Kids love being helpers. Exactly. Or you could give a different compliment and ask a different job. Hey, you, I've been watching how great of a friend you are. I saw you smile at your friend when you came in this morning, and I would love for you to help me with something. Would you like to help me with a job? And maybe you tell her. I want you to go around and whisper a message into every kid's ear in the classroom while they're eating breakfast. Here's what I want you to whisper to them. We are going to learn about a new center this morning and let them give the privilege of going around and announcing this exciting news to every kid. Oh yeah, that's a good one. But you might not want to start all kids out with this kind of job, right? Right. But that's not to say that some kids might not surprise you and step up to this task that you might not have thought would do it correctly. But certainly this might not be the first job you select for certain kids. You use your judgment. There are tons of ways to get creative with simple jobs that kids can help you with. Yeah, for sure. You know, maybe they could look for other students who are being role models and put a sticker on their shirt. Or maybe they can move a stack of books from one place to another 
or sorting, it's always a good job for kids. Let her help sort a bucket of markers by colors. Yes, yes. All great ideas. The job doesn't really matter. It's how they feel doing it. Whatever the special thing is, it's a great privilege. And if she enjoys this type of reward, she'll work to earn the right to do it again. And then you start to have some leverage. And you want to make sure to prep the child for the job. You're not just giving them heavy stuff and hoping it goes well. It's super important that the child is successful with this situation. So you do everything you can to set them up for success by emphasizing how special the job is and that it's something you've picked just for him and how you're going to show him exactly how to hold the paper and feel her little muscles and say, wow, you're so strong. I know you're going to be great at this job. Yeah, they need to feel successful in whatever job you give them because it could really backfire if you give them something they can't handle. You want to try and refocus their attention and their opinion of themselves from I'm a wild child that screams a lot or whatever it might be to I'm a good helper and I'm great at a lot of things. And you want her to know there are lots of special things you'd love for him to do as long as she's listening and following directions. So what if you give them a special job and you show them exactly how to do it and then they just start messing around? Oh boy. Good question. So As soon as they start messing around, the privileges are paused. But it is so important that you don't jump back to the negative reprimanding that they're expecting. Remember, we flipped the script. So we're treating them differently because we want to show them that they are different. Even if we are sending a negative content message, we're still sending a positive relationship message. What you're doing is not okay, but you're still a good kid. I know you're a smart kid that likes to help with special jobs. So I'm going to give you another chance to try this tomorrow. Maybe even throw in a hug or a high five. Seal it with some empathy. So if that happens, step back, connect with him again, give him a genuine compliment, talk to him about his feelings, ask what animals he likes, and then try to offer something else for him to do. You don't want to create more opportunities for him to rebel and misbehave. You want him to connect with you and feel the momentum going for him to turn his behavior around and feel good about it. If you start with this, rebuild that relationship with him, change up the way he or she thinks and feels about himself, you're going to have a different connection with him that will allow you to bring him back when you feel he's about to start screaming or running or whatever that behavior might be. Yeah, you need that kid on your team. A true connection will make a big difference. The solution to the problem starts way before the undesired behavior starts. You have to fill their little bank accounts up way before you can start asking for withdrawals. Oh my God, yes. This is so crucial. Yeah. We fill them up and then when we need something from them, we remind them of all the things we let them decide and then that's when we ask for our tiny withdrawal. Love and Logic talks about how important it is to give kids choices. They want responsibility and ownership of their own life. Not only do we need to be making those little connections with kids throughout the day, we need to let them be in control. Decide things that you're okay with letting the kids pick, and then you share the control by giving a choice. So much of a child's life is adults telling them what to do. Yes. When we offer kids choices, they start to feel empowered, and they are. Give kids choices on literally like everything you can. Hey, kids, do you want to walk in the hallway on your tiptoes or flat-footed? 
Do you want to use whisper voices or silent voices? Do you want to practice writing your name with this pencil or this pencil? Side note, you can make a normal pencil into a fancy magic writing stick by taping a feather to the end. It's crazy how excited kids get about feathers on pencils. Do you want to do yoga with your shoes on or off? Hint, they will all want to do it with their shoes off. So you can use that as a motivator. First, we're going to practice our numbers and then we're going to do yoga. If you want your shoes off for yoga, you have to keep your star up or be a superstar or however you phrase it. Give kids fun choices to motivate them. Do you want to use crayons or markers? Do you want to sit by me or by your buddy? Hey, do you want to give me a high five or a hug today? Hey, bud, I know it's hard to clean up when sinners are over. Do you remember all the things I let you choose today? I let you sit by your friend. I let you play for three more minutes. I let you pick how you wanted to walk in the hall. And guess what? Now it's my turn. So let's see how fast you can clean up and meet me at the rug. No yelling, no shaming, no threats. And the preemptive, thanks, I knew you'd make a good choice, is so important too. You go into the situations with positive intent. You tell yourself, they're going to make a good choice, and they probably will. But if you go into it hesitant and sort of waiting for their pushback, that's what they're going to give you. I want to close this episode by sharing a quote that I painted onto a piece of wood and hung in my classroom. It said, this could be the greatest day of our lives. And at the bottom, it has my dad's name because he always says that. I think it's originally from Animal House. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) But my dad throws it out there on a regular Tuesday night and everybody's mood will change. I wanted to remind myself to bring that kind of attitude into my classroom. So I painted the words onto a piece of wood and hung it up. My kids would say it all the time and they'd go home saying it and their families would come to me and tell me that they, that it had spread to be something that they're saying at home now too. So it's a very simple phrase, but the message is so powerful. And it's incredible what can happen when you throw this out there on a regular Monday morning. Give kids something to be excited about, to look forward to. Just putting those positive vibes out into the world will change the mood. I'd love for you to start throwing it out there in your class. Let us know how it goes. This could be the greatest day of our lives. (laughs) Hey, teachers. We wanted to take a minute to share a message from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by the Pre-K Teacher Family. In case you haven't heard about it, we'll explain. It's a support group for Pre-K teachers. We launched it because, let's just be real here, there's not enough support out there for us. The Pre-K Teacher Family was launched in December, and we have over 100 teachers in it already. If you'd like to learn more about this support family of love and teachers and positivity, visit my website, triedandtrueteacher.com. That's tried and true teacher, all spelled out, dot com, and click on the tab that says join the pre-K teacher family. Once you're there, you'll see all the perks of being in the family. The main one is all the resources you'll immediately have access to. There are folders for every month, and they are filled with all of my Teachers Pay Teachers documents, as well as tons of other activities and printables, all organized and ready to go for you. Yeah, we are uh, totally ready for Valentine's. Uh, When I was a teacher, I would scramble to find the next thing to do, but no scrambling, no last minute scrambling for me. And I'm already prepared for the rainbow theme. (laughs) So, so helpful. Love it. Yeah, it's good. good. In fact, don't just take it from us. We are going to feature a message from actual members in the family in each episode so you can hear the truth from them. Here's what Danny said. 
I joined the pre-K teacher family because sometimes it feels like we are on an island in pre-K trying to survive by ourselves. It's nice to have a support group who just gets it. This is so true, Danny. Thank you for saying this. Whether it's not having appropriately planned professional development on a school-wide PD day or just feeling out of the school loop, I've been hearing this from a lot of pre-K teachers over and over again. So what we want to say is come join our pre-K family. Even if we're on our own island, we'll be there together. That yes. will make it better. <laughs> so <Okay>. helpful. <laughs> okay, so let's recap. Number one. They are trying stuff out on you all day long. We want to encourage the good and discourage the bad. Number two, we have to describe and remind kids that they are the types of qualities that we want them to be. Number three, the solution to the problem starts way before the undesired behavior starts. You have to fill his or her little bank account with deposits of praise and giving power through choices before we can ask for a withdrawal. Number four, even if we are sending a negative content message, we are still sending a positive relationship message. What you're doing is not okay, but you're still a good kid. Yep. And number five, Becky Bailey's wise words, misbehavior actually serves many wonderful purposes in your child's development. Your goal is better framed as preventing the likelihood of misbehavior being repeated and becoming habitual. You can do this by responding to misbehavior wisely when it happens. Okay, guys, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And make sure you tune in next week when we'll be giving you the best tips to make the most out of recess. <gasps> oh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs>